0: Well, if you'd turn with me to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And as you're turning to the Gospel of Luke, whether on your phone or your Bible, whatever that looks like, uh, I'd love to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word together. uh, We're concluding our our One Another series today. This is our, I think, seventh or eighth week into it. Um, I want to... preach to you a message I wasn't able to get my my message or anything in this week because I was coming back from Russia but uh, the title of the message is there's room at the table and uh, I want to preach to you a message today around that that topic it's it's interesting to me that as we as you go through the, the book of Luke you'll see something that that Jesus is either coming from a meal he is at a meal or he's going to a meal uh, I love to eat, and so for me, that's a Savior I can follow. You know what I'm saying? Like, amen, right? Like, it's just, you start looking at it, you go, go look through the book of Luke, and he's like, either he's at a meal, he's coming from a meal, or he's going to a meal. Like, I, if, I was, if I was a follower of Jesus, a disciple, I'd be like, where are we going to eat? Like, what's going on? We get Armenian food today? You know, like, what's this, what's this look like? And, and uh, it's the setting of this story that we're going to talk about in Luke chapter 7 is one awkward dinner party. I mean, really awkward dinner party. It's incredibly awkward, but I just believe that if we are able to just receive what it is that the, the Scriptures have for us today, that uh, it has the power to change us, the power to change our view of God, and our view of others, and our view of, of ourselves. So Luke chapter 7, I hope you're there. We're going to start in verse 36 and read down through verse 50. It says this, uh, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to To have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. That's how they sat around tables. Um, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Which of them? will love him more. Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven? You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet But this woman, from the time I I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You, You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, how many sins, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the reading of your word. God, I pray that today would be a day where we would receive something fresh and new from you, that your word would come alive to us. Lord, that we would learn something from this professional sinner that uh, was uninvited and came to a party that she never expected to show up to. God, have your way in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we've been talking about these one another's uh, over the past eight weeks, and here's the thing that can happen. As we, I've been thinking about all of them and all the ones that we went through, and I was thinking about, um, you know, sometimes we get this idea. Okay, I guess I need to do more of these things. Like, I guess I need to love people more because love one another. So I guess I'm gonna like love people. You know, I guess I need to be more encouraging, because it says encourage one another. I guess I need to be more forgiving. I guess I need to be more compassionate, because it says be compassionate to one another. I guess I need to be more caring, or more spurred on, whatever that means. And I need to be more hospitable, like Pastor Tom said last week. And so we go through these things, and we're like, okay, well, like, um, I guess I need to do them because it's the right thing to do and because Jesus likes when I do it. So if I do what Jesus likes, then he'll like me and I won't burn in hell. And you know what I mean? Like all these things. We kind of get this idea like, I, I'm just doing it because it's, it's what I, I should do. And, and I don't know if many of you realize this, but guilt can be a really great slave driver. Guilt can kind of, it doesn't motivate us well, but it keeps us in line. Maybe you guys grew up in kind of like a, a, a religious atmosphere or a church that was kind of like all about the rules. And, and you kind of just did it. Why? Because you just, well, Jesus told you to do it. And so you just do what Jesus tells you to do. Not because you really have a passion to do it. You just, you don't want to, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. You want Jesus to like you. So you do those things. And if we're not careful, we bring that kind of into scriptures. And guilt is a really hard master to us. I was thinking about it this week um, when I was first married. So I've been married for almost 20 years. And when I was first married, um, I was with my wife and we we were at a store and she saw some flowers and she says to me, aw, you never get me flowers. (laughs) And I was like, hmm, okay, duly noted. So I'm like, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what I did the next day, of course. Because I'm, I'm an attentive husband, right? I mean, darn it, like I'm, I'm really good. Like I'm a good guy and, uh, and I'm very, I listen, I listen, you know, you ladies like it when we listen. And so I, I'm listening. I hear her, I heard what she said and I think, I know what I'm going to do. I, I go to the store after work and I get some flowers and I think, I am amazing, like she is so blessed to have me. <laughs> I am, I'm a catch ladies. Okay. And so I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. I'm like, never get you flowers. I'll show you, you know? I'm gonna, so I, I go home and I, and I open up the door and, and you know, when you first married, you're like, honey, I'm home. Cause she's like, oh, be still my heart. And I'm just like, yes, it's your prince charming. And I have a, I have a beautiful bouquet of flowers. And, um, and she comes over, she's like, what, what's going on? What's going on? I said, I have them here, and she says, "What are those?" <laughs> I thought it was pretty self-explanatory, but uh, there's no smile, no 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 curtsy, no no swooning. You know, I was, I was waiting for her to faint or you know something I could catch her, and I not, not nothing like that. And um, I said, "Well, they're, they're flowers for you, my queen." And you know what she said to me? She said. I don't want your pity flowers. <laughs> I see every woman in here like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Three snaps in Z-Formation, right? You're like, uh-huh, yes, preach it. You know, all you ladies, you're like, been falling asleep until now. You're like, hallelujah. This preacher's got it going on, right? Yeah. Like you, she says, I don't want your pity flowers. I, I don't want you to give me flowers because I told you I want flowers, and all of a sudden like if you're a guy like you're, like my brain's like Rrrr. i'm thinking you said you wanted flowers i got you. got your flowers i don't understand how i'm still in trouble when i do i don't understand i did it i did what you told me do to. you know like you've been there if you're if you've been married for any length of time you've been in this position where you're like i did how am i how am i in trouble like you i did what you told me it's not good You you just you, you just, you're not getting it, guys. You're not getting it. She said, I want you to want to get me flowers, not get me flowers because I told you to get me flowers. And then it hit me. It took me about 20 years to get this. It hit me. I was like, I think what she is saying to me is that she wants me to love her out of passion rather than obligation. And Thank you. Thank you, ladies. <clears throat> yes, thank you. And um, uh, it, it took me a while to get this, and I thought what, what I first thought was an overreaction <laughs> by my wife um, and, uh, and, and not noticing how amazing her husband was, um, I, I quickly realized, okay, I actually understand that because, because nobody likes obligatory love. Oh, I'm just doing it because you told me to, and I don't, I want to sleep in the same bed with you tonight, so <laughs> here you go. This is what you asked for, right? I'm just going to do it, right? And I would submit to you this today, that that when we try to satiate God's wrath through discipline, that he has the same response as my wife did to her pity flowers. Oh, you just, I don't know, You told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. I don't really want to do it but like i want you to not have me burn in hell it so i'm just gonna do what you asked me to do like god is looking for us to love him out of a passionate pursuit rather than an obligatory obedience i think sometimes we just kind of um, just settle for the obedience the obligatory obedience to keep him satiated rather than the passionate pursuit that he desires. And we read stories like this. And and there's this there's a profound passion. This this woman that shows up at the party and and for many of you like if you've been a Christian for any time maybe you've heard this story, you've read this story and you're like, "I love this story. It's so great." This, is, this woman is amazing. And, and, and then you put yourself into this story. I want you to just, we're going to go walk down through it slowly. You put yourself in this story. This is incredibly awkward. This story is, is, is painfully awkward. Think about this. A, a Pharisee, holy guy, right? He invites Jesus to come to his home for dinner. And he invites other holy men from church Right? So he gets all these, hey guys, you should come. Je- I invited Jesus over and he's coming over to our house. It's going to be awesome. and I'm doing shish kebabs and it's going to be great. And so all of a sudden, they're sitting down and an uninvited prostitute shows up at their dinner party. <laughs> That's an awkward dinner party. Like, just that alone, is like, whoa, uh, no thank you. I uh, think you have the wrong house, maybe. <laughs> I swear, this is not normal, guys. She has never been here before. Right? You know what I mean? You're just kind of like, whoa, hi. Hi, miss. Yes, thank you. Did you get, the, did, did you get an invite? You know, what, what are you doing here? It's already awkward just the, just the fact that she was there. She's the only one at this dinner party that didn't get an invitation, and she doesn't seem to even care. She just she shows up, and then it gets worse. Why? Because she's a prostitute that, that has an absolute, that is an, an emotional train wreck. That's super awkward. She, 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 she walks in and we see this in verse 38. I want you to just capture what, what this must have looked like. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair kissed them and poured poured perfume on them. And I want you to understand what, what this looks like. So essentially, when it says reclines at the table, I'm going to show you what I mean, what this looks like. So imagine we have a table right here and you're all at my dinner party because you're all a bunch of holy people. And so um uh they would rest on their on their left elbow. And have their legs out to the back. So everybody would be kind of around the table with their kind of like legs out. And they'd be exposed because you're wearing the Jesus dress. And, and so uh, you just kind of, you know what I'm talking about. It's weird. And so you're, you're like, hey, could you pass the hummus? And, you know, thank you very much. And you're, they're eating. And your, your leg, your feet are exposed at the back. So as Jesus is reclining at the table, this woman walks in, and she doesn't even come up to the table. She walks in, and she just stops at Jesus' feet and freezes. I don't really think she has a plan. Like, I don't think anything that happened there was pre-thought out. I really don't. And we can talk about it afterwards if you're like, no, I'm pretty sure. I think she literally just she saw Jesus and lost it. Like did not know what to do and and she's wailing and, and and she's crying, and she's probably ugly crying, you know what I'm talking about ugly cry. Like, why do I say that? Why? Because she's crying so much that that her her tears are dripping off of her face and soaking Jesus's feet. That's an ugly cry. That's like an uncontrolled. I wasn't planning for this, but i I can't get myself together right now and she's she's crying and And then she realizes, oh my gosh, I'm I'm soaking Jesus' feet and they're they're filthy dirty because they haven't been cleaned and so I don't have a plan for this. I didn't bring a towel. And so she decides to let down her hair, which is not appropriate, and she decides to use her hair to to wash and to wipe down Jesus' feet with, with, with her hair. And then the Bible says that she starts to kiss those feet kiss and keep on kissing these feet. The dirtiest part of the body in the ancient world. Gone through all kinds of dirt and caked on junk and walking through animal excrement and all kinds of things. And she's kissing his feet. And then she decides to pour the perfume that she did bring on his feet. All over them. I mean, this encounter... Is, is absolutely unexpected, and it is way over the top. It's awkward. <laughs> she's, she's just kind of back there doing, doing her thing, and to make it even more awkward, you can read it for yourself, the text gives us reason to think that Jesus, Jesus didn't even look at her until the Bible says that he specifically looked at her. So this, this, this prostitute comes in, the professional sinner. She comes in. She's making a complete spectacle. She's wailing. She's wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. And there, you can smell There's these perfume. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus was just sitting there eating dinner. Just staring at everybody else around the table. Hey, how you doing? You passed the baba ganoush? Ah, thank you. He's just staring at people in other words he's almost like he's watching for their reaction to her seeming overreaction what how are you going to react to what this woman is doing this 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 seeming overreaction that she's that she's having right now and we see how one of these reactions, Simon the Pharisee, the host of this unquestionably awkward dinner party, we, we, we can see that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if you've read the Bible at all, you know the Pharisees and they're always the bad people. And it's like, ah, oh, here come the Pharisees. They're, they're legalistic and, you know, they're going to judge her and they're going to belittle her. And, you know, they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to accept her. They should accept her, but they're not going to accept her. Why? Because they're religious fanatics and all these things. Unless it was your dinner party. Unless you invited all of your holy friends to come over to your dinner party and an uninvited prostitute shows up and starts making a complete spectacle and ruining it. Ah, now all of a sudden it's different. This, this, this Pharisee that's like, ah, he's just, a, he's just a, a mean guy. No, no, actually now I can relate to this guy. Like, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're literally just ruining my perfectly good dinner party with Jesus. In my home, and I think about this: Who do I relate more to? Do I relate to the woman in this story, or do I relate to Simon the Pharisee, the host of this dinner party? I'd like to think that I relate to the woman. I think most of us would like to think that we relate to her. Like, ah, God's done so much great things in my life. I can relate to her because she's just she's a passionate worshiper of Jesus. But if I'm really honest, I relate more to Simon the Pharisee. If I'm really honest. Many times, I'm more comfortable with throwing a holy dinner party for Jesus than I am being a passionate worshiper of him. I'm more interested in being a, a passionate uh, or, or just throwing a dinner party for him than I am doing anything else. And, 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 and what do I mean by a holy dinner party? I mean this. You come to the 8 a.m. or the 10.15? Oh, the 8 a.m. is way too stinking early. I'll come to the 10.15 service. I'll meet you there. A holy dinner party. We'll show up to a holy dinner party, but how long has it been how long has it been since you just were wrecked? Since you just were overcome by the presence of God? Like just realizing, God, you you have done so much in my life, I can't even I don't even know what to do in your presence. Not just show up to a to a holy dinner party. Like when was the last time you, you did something in response? to Jesus that, that maybe cost you something or, uh, I don't know, was embarrassing or, or what other people might say, well, well, you just need to chill out. You're worshiping a little too excitedly. What is wrong with you? You know, like just, 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 just settle down. That is, that is too much. You are the definition of, of, of too much. Because if you really look at this story, I, 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 what I come away with is this, that she seems to know a different Jesus than the rest of the people at this dinner party. Everybody else is having a really great time, and Jesus came over, and I'm here, and hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and you're welcome, I showed up to the dinner party. But this woman seems to know someone different. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever maybe like, I don't know, it's your first time here, and you're kind of like, okay, this will Good church. Well, it's a nice place. And you've got someone next to you that's like a crazy person, right? And they're just like, hallelujah, and they're like singing, they're dancing, and you're like, is this calisthenics today? Like, getting your exercise in? Like, getting your steps in today? Like, what's going on? Why are you so excited about this? Do you know something different than I do? Do you know a different Jesus than, than I do? Because this, your response is over the top. Your response is, you, you need to chill out. Yeah, I've been there before. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you seem very happy, and I don't know why, right? And we're we we're we're, we're we're stuck in this because whatever Jesus has done in her life, whatever she's heard about Jesus, caused her to react differently than everybody else around that table. Everybody else that was at the holy dinner party at the ten fifteen a.m. service. Something different here in her response. I'll translate that to your life, 2019 in America, in America, right? What does that look like? You, you, you I, I don't know. I mean, seriously, like, okay, so I, I take this holy dinner party and this woman, like going crazy and having an emotional breakdown, and that's what I'm supposed to look like. So what does that look like? 2019, I've got bills to pay, I've got I to gotta go to church, and then right after this, I'm going grocery shopping, and then I, I've got sports practices for my kids I've got to take them to. I've got work, I've got, I've, got, I've got all kinds of responsibilities and bills to pay, things that I've got going on. What, what does that look like? Here's what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that you go around crying, wailing, and pouring perfume on everything. That is not what I'm suggesting. So please don't walk away thinking like, guys I, I got to get some, some alabaster box and start pouring it on things. If I want to be holy, right, i got to start crying. I, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like. How do we translate that into 2019? Not saying we do that, but when was the last time that we were just in awe? I mean, just, just wrecked at, at, at what God's doing because of what God has done in your life. When was the last time you were overcome by that? And I have to ask myself this question as I read this. Do I know the Jesus that she knows? Do I? Do do, do I know the Jesus that, that this woman knows? Because her response, wow, her response, Do I know it? Verse 39, it continues. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, notice that he said to himself. He didn't say it out loud. He's speaking to himself. He's thinking, he says, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, Jesus, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. She's a sinner. Now, this term sinner doesn't mean like, well, she sins and everybody else doesn't doesn't mean like, oh, she's the only one that sins. I don't know why she's having such a hard time with this because I'm a holy and you're a sinner. Like it it, it doesn't mean that. It's a category. They were categorizing her. In other words, they're saying she's an on-purpose sinner. She's a professional prostitute. She professionally sins for a living. That's how she makes her money. This is what she does. She is a, a, a sinner. We're putting her in a category of sinner. And when somebody puts someone else in a lower category, whether you realize it or not, or you do this inadvertently, you automatically put yourself in a higher category. You know that? Like, you're a sinner, and I'm not as bad as you. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm not what, what you are. And when we put ourselves into a higher category, what ends up happening inadvertently sometimes is that you begin to lessen your need for a savior. I mean, <laughs> have you seen this, this prostitute? I mean, she sins for a living. Like, she is a hot mess. I mean, she's an emotional basket case. I'm doing pretty good. In fact, um, I'm helping God, you know, because why? I'm, I'm making it easier for him to forgive me because I don't have much to forgive. You're welcome, Jesus. Right? Right? God, I mean, I should get some, like, extra jewels to crown or something because, like, forgiving me is going to be like, ah, no problem. Forgiving her, man, it's going to be all-day project, right? Just making it easier for Jesus. Because why? Because I'm a good man. I'm a good guy. Jesus actually is so thankful that I'm a follower of him. You're welcome. The Bible says this, that he says these things to himself. You know why he said it to himself? Because these are things that you don't say out loud, Listen, you don't come to church and say things like, "Hey, just wanted you to know I'm better than you." <laughs> Bless God, right? Just want you to know like I know my Bible better than you. You know, one day, one day sister, you might know it as good as me. Probably not, but God, I'll pray for you. Right? You know, like uh you know, maybe one day you you you'll do you you'll be good at this Christian thing. I'm pretty good at it though. I'm just going to say and I don't smoke or cuss like you do because I totally, whew you smell. And uh, you stubbed your toe, and I heard it, and Jesus did too, right? <laughs> so I just want you to know that because of my behavioral improvements, I'm further along on this thing than you are. I was actually invited to the Holy Man Club, at the dinner party. Were you? No, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. And what we find is that this way of thinking, religion, is completely counterproductive to the gospel. Because if we're not careful, then we we go home after the 10-15 weekly holy dinner party, and we wonder, why don't I feel close to God? I just... I don't understand it. Like I went to the dinner party and Jesus was there. Just, I don't understand why I feel so distant from him. Like I don't understand why. I mean, I come every week and he 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 likes that. I brought him flowers like he asked me to, but I don't understand why I don't have any joy or excitement or passion in my life. I'm, I'm doing what he asked me to do. I'm giving, I'm attending, I'm doing all the stuff. that I'm checking off the list. And as I read this story, it seems like this, this lower category, professional sinner, overly emotional prostitute knows something about Jesus that I forget. And that's humbling. Like, she shouldn't, she shouldn't know what I don't know. And, and it's this that in the kingdom of God, there's no good, better, best. There's no small, medium, large, extra large. In the kingdom of God, there's two categories, dead and alive. (laughs) And you didn't do anything to achieve it. Oh, but I mean... (laughs) Bless God, I've done a lot since then, brother. Right? Now, here's the reality. You are either dead or alive. You are either lost or found. Those categories that we like to place people in are non-existent in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus finally, finally addresses the elephant in the room in verse 40 as says Jesus answers him. Notice that he didn't actually ask the question out loud, but isn't Jesus great for answering questions we're too afraid to ask, right? He answers him. In other words, reads Simon's mind, which is, oh, gosh, don't get too near to Jesus. He says, he reads his mind, and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, crap. It's very just, he says, tell me, teacher, you have those moments where you're like, I think Jesus knows what I'm thinking. and He's going he's gonna to expose me. He says, tell me, teacher. Good teacher. Rabbi, teacher. He says, then he tells him a story. He says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Yes. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. And then he asks a question. He says, "Now, now, now, Simon, which of the which of them will love him more?" And Simon kind of—I think he kind of thinks it's maybe a trick question, because he's like, "Well, I suppose." I mean, final answer? I'm not going final answer here, but like I suppose, the one who had the bigger debt would would maybe that would it, would it be maybe him? And Jesus says, well, "You've judged correctly." Good job. I want you to understand that Jesus is making something very clear here. He's, he's saying, Simon, you think that your debt is less than her debt. You don't say it out loud, but that's really what you believe. You think that you can pay back your debt. But let me tell you something. You are bankrupt just like she is. Like, you think you're kind of cutting even. Like, you're doing enough good deeds to make up your bad deeds, and pretty much you're at zero every day. You know, you just throw in a, like, help a lady across the street. Hallelujah. I just earned myself into heaven. You know, you get to this place where you think you you can earn this. I love how how Paul writes in Galatians 2.21. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't put it off of my life. He says, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Like if you can do it on your own because you're good enough and you've done enough good deeds to outweigh the bad things and you're certainly not as bad as this professional sinner that's making a spectacle at this really great dinner party and, and ruining it. If, if you just do it on your own, then Jesus died for, for nothing. In other words, you cheapen the grace of God when you try to earn it. Kind of like Zach was saying during worship that God's love is free. And you cheapen the grace of God when you think you can earn it. And some of us, the reality is that some of us, whether you grew up in church and grew up under a rock or something, you just didn't do too much sinning like the rest of people, right? You just kind of actually have been kept really well, and that's great, right? But, but compared to a professional sinner, Jesus is making it very clear. You're all bankrupt, It doesn't matter if you owe one dollar or a million dollars. You don't have enough money to pay it back. You're you're, you're bankrupt to pay back the debt of sin. And what we take away from this story is this. Jesus is not hindered by the amount of sin that needs to be forgiven. That's not the deal. What hinders Jesus is is when we are unwilling or not self-aware of the sin in our own life. So it's not that he's like, oh my gosh, I mean, this, this, this lady is going to take me all stinking day. Thank you for not sinning much. It's going to be much easier for me. No, that isn't the thing that hinders him. He doesn't matter how much sin he has to forgive or how little sin he has to forgive. What hinders him is when we try to pretend like we don't have any sin. The sin of pride. Essentially, he's saying, I can't heal who you pretend to be. I can only heal who you truly are. Sometimes we think, well, if I could just contain this thing and not let anybody know, and I'm just going to keep the wraps on it and delete my history. Like, if I could just do that and keep this thing under wraps, then then nobody will know, and I'm going to be fine. Jesus says, that's not how this thing works. Like, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking, oh, I guess I just need to walk around and I guess, you, Pastor Justin, you tell telling me, I just got to tell everyone that I'm a worm and I'm a horrible person. I'm a train wreck and I'm, I just can't do anything right. and I don't have any friends. and my, I, I don't have, you know, nothing's going right. I can't do anything right. Now, I'm not saying that. It's not having a lesser view of yourself. Humility is simply having an accurate view of yourself. This is really what's going on. And, and I can try to hide and contain it but it's not going to heal me. He only can heal what you truly are, not who you pretend to be. And Simon was spiritually bankrupt. He just didn't know it. He just didn't know it. Can I tell you, we don't need more people that are going to invite Jesus to a weekly holy dinner party, a.k.a. going to church. That's really not the the need here. We need people who have an accurate view of themselves, who know, (laughs) I, I need a Savior Man, I, I like to think that on a good day, but even on my best day, I need Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I, I know that I can't do this on my own. We need people who have a heart of gratitude that are just in awe. Dumbfounded. Willing to say, I, I'm all in. I, I might be made fun of, and I might have to be pushed out of my comfort zone, but I will become even more undignified than this. In verse 44, it's really interesting. Finally, we we read that Jesus looks at the woman. And and he asks, so I want you to see this. He looks at the woman at his feet, but he's talking to Simon. So He's looking at her, but talking to Simon. And he asks Simon this question. He says, "Um, Simon, do you see this woman? What an odd question. Because everyone around this table was probably thinking, yeah, we've all seen this woman. Uh, In fact, we were wondering if you had seen her, Jesus, because she's been making a spectacle of our dinner party and you haven't even looked at her. So do you see her? Because we've all seen her. He says, Do you see? Do you see this woman? In other words I think Jesus was saying, "I know you see her sin I, I, I know you see her category I, I, I know you see her as a disrupt, as a disruption to your 1015 holy dinner party I know I know that you see that I know you're I know you're comparing yourself to her I know that you're propping her sin up to make you look better I know you're doing all those things but do you see her. One of the reasons that we've been doing like this whole One Another" series is I believe that many times we can see people, but we'll still be blind to them. Yeah, I, I see people. But just like Simon, I, I don't think we sometimes just see the humanity. That they're not just someone to compare ourselves to to make ourselves feel better about the position that we're in, but they're people just like us. Saved by the grace of God. He says, do you you see her? Because if we're not careful, then we begin to see people as less than us or we hate them for being more than us. He says, "Do do you see this woman? Great, great question. In other words, what he's saying to Simon is like, Simon, if you want to start drawing comparisons here, let's do it. You want to put her in a category, we want to start drawing categories, and and we want to start saying you go here and you go here, then let's do it, Simon. In other words, like, let's take a look at our true actions here. Let's take a look, and this is what Jesus says, let's take a look at how you treated me. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. Verse 44, Jesus says these words, I came into your house, and you didn't give me water for my feet. I'm not mad about it. I don't think Jesus is saying, like, you didn't do this, and you should have. I'm not mad about it, but but Simon, let's take a look at what, what happened here. Let's look at the facts. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you did not give me a kiss. I'm not mad about it. In fact, that's okay. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. How do we know this? Because of her, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, Love's little. When you realize how very, 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 very much you've been forgiven, he's saying you cannot help but love very, 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 very much. That's how this thing works. Now, in ending this, what what about this perfume? I don't know about you guys, but it's always weird to me. What's up with this alabaster box of perfume? What's, what's the purpose of this stuff? Like, The Bible makes it very clear about it, but I, but I don't understand. Like, what, I've been, been praying and asking God, like, what is the deal with this perfume? The Bible says that she came to into the house with it, so it seems to be the only solid part of her plan. <laughs> I mean, that was all she kind of knew. I'm going to bring this, this with me. I don't quite know what's, what's going to go down here. But this, this is my plan. So what's up with this perfume? Um, she brings it for a purpose. She brings it for a purpose. So what's up with it? Well, I would like to submit to you this. This perfume was a crucial part of her occupation. To put it crudely, if she didn't smell good, business wasn't good. You get it? Like this was kind of a, a key part. Maybe this was her signature scent that attracted business her way. And I want you to see this. I want to suggest to you that she brought it specifically to pour it out. I think she brought it specifically to say, Uh, I'm done with my old life. I'm burning the bridge. I'm no longer going back to the thing that Jesus just freed me from. Now, did she do it because she heard a sermon where the preacher said, you know, you're a sinner and you should really do this because it's the right thing to do? Nope. I don't think so. I think Jesus had done so much in her life that she just got a case of, I can't help myself but to do this in response. Incredibly grateful for what Jesus had done in her life. It stands on its own as a standard of passion that, that I will be honest, I, I rarely walk in. But I so wish I did. Why don't you stand with me? there's this um there's this choice that I think each of us have and uh, and it's either it's either to be a a thermometer or a thermostat you are like that's weird yes it is what's the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat a thermometer can tell the temperature of a room a thermostat can change the temperature of a room, right? Two, two very similar things, except the thermostat goes one more and doesn't just read it, but actually goes to uh, change the temperature of the room that it's in. And when we look at this awkward dinner party that we just read about, it was, it was full, chock full of thermometers. Everybody that was invited to this dinner table, do you see her? Oh, do you know who she is? Can't even believe she's here. Did you hear what she did? (laughs) Yeah, you did. I can't even believe that Jesus would even get near her. Do you see what she's doing? Why would he allow? Does does he know who she is? I mean, if he was God, he he needs to know. She's going to make him dirty. Thermometers. Reading the temperature of the room. And only one thermostat. One nameless prostitute who was not invited to this dinner party with a reputation and a past that decided, I really don't care, and I'm not going to be intimidated by the temperature of the room or to walk in fear of am I going to be, what, am I going to be accepted into this place? She had one thing on her mind. I'm going to meet with Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna be like. I got my perfume and that's my plan. I just, I know that I'm coming and, I, and, I'm, and it's gonna cost me something. And it certainly means that I'm gonna to have to walk through shame and guilt and my past and my reputation. And a bunch of people are gonna judge me and categorize me and put, try to put me in my place and say, you're not welcome here. What do you think you're even doing? Don't even get close to Jesus. Why would you even think that you could get close to Jesus? Do you realize what you've done? You're dirty. think you are? This is Jesus. And she decides, I, I have no plan. All I know is this guy has freed me and I will not stop until I get to him. I don't quite know what I'm going to do with this, but all I know is that I, he's changed my life and I'm burning the bridges and I'm moving forward even if everybody else wants to put me back in the place where I was in. Let me tell you something. What does that look like for you? It's really easy to be a thermometer. Really easy. Sometimes we think we have the gift of discernment. No, you're just a thermometer. It's not really hard. To look around and be like, "Yeah, that person's a mess." <laughs> you see her? You talk, but we're praying for you, sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, okay. And, and 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 we just read the room. We think, well, you know what? I'm waiting for that right time. When the right time strikes, when the band plays the song that right song, or the preacher preaches that right that right message for the right time at the right place. When when it it feels and looks like it did 20 years ago, back when it was the right time, when the temperature was just right, I'll know it and I'll sense it. And at that point, that's when I will walk in it. It, It's very easy to be a thermometer. It requires nothing of you. But you know know what's hard? (laughs) Being a thermostat. Like this woman. He says, you know, I don't really care what other people are doing. <laughs> I know I'm completely ruining your dinner party for Jesus. And you were just going to bring out dessert and I'm completely ruining this. I really, I really, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for Revelation song to make a comeback. <laughs> It'd be awesome if it did, right? But I'm not waiting for that I to, before I start walking in in gratitude and love and the presence of Jesus. I'm not waiting around thinking, well, if once things look like they used to, then I'll, then I'll know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not waiting for someone to guilt me into joining a life group so I get connected around here. I'm not waiting for that. I'm not standing back with my arms crossed saying, well, just make me. I'm waiting for the room to shift or to change, or the temperature to rise. A thermostat says, i mean with Jesus. Y'all can come along if you want. I would advise you, get on the boat. Get on the bus, because if you don't, the bus is going to run you over, okay? You want to jump in with me? The water's warm. But I'm meeting with Jesus. I'd love for you to come along with me, but I'm not going to sit around and wait no matter how many people are raising their hands during this worship service. I don't know, it's a little, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I'm just, all I know is, He has freed me from so much. And I refuse to stand back waiting for something, some emotional thing to spur me on to worship Him. God, I just thank You. I thank You for bringing freedom in my life. I I, I was bankrupt and You brought You brought healing where I didn't deserve it and I certainly didn't earn it. So I just want to encourage you today as we sing this last song, be a thermostat. Not just here at church service, not just here at our 1015 Holy Dinner Party. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying every day. Like, walk in that. Walk in that. Walk in it. As we sing this, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you do something that's outside of, of your comfort zone. You do something that maybe you, you just, you see other people do, but man, I just, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> wow, I don't, I don't quite know what that looks like, but maybe for some of you, you you've kind of walked in here and, and maybe you, you've been asking this question all service. Do I know the Jesus that this woman knew? Do I know him? I just want you to know that's how I came to know Jesus I literally in eighth grade said if I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe and I want it I just don't know how to do it what am I supposed to do here so I had someone pray with me my, my, my youth leader just prayed with me and it was a, it was that night that I encountered Jesus for the first time in my life I'd gone to holy dinner parties in fact I, I, I actually helped serve dinner at the holy dinner parties for years But when you encounter Him, you can have your dinner party. Go eat dinner, that's fine. I'd rather encounter Him. Jesus, as we enter into worship today, God, I pray that it would stir on the inside of us. This woman that doesn't deserve it is a professional sinner is completely in the wrong category of people that should be able to even get close to Jesus, walks right in and lavishes everything she has, her prized possession and burns the bridge to her past. Jesus, I just thank you that you brought freedom where there's been bondage. You take those who are addicted and you set them free. And I believe you can do that even right now today I believe there's someone in here right now that came in here addicted, thinking, I just don't know what this is gonna look like, but I'm willing to give this one last shot. God, I believe that even right now today, you are setting someone free from drug addiction. Lord, have your way in this place. If you have a prayer need in any area of your life today, maybe you've got, you got some... Um, physical ailments whatever that looks like i want to encourage you just come up along here as we sing we'll have some people come up and and pray god into your situation but let's just allow jesus to encounter us today fresh maybe you've been a christian for years and years when was the last time you were in awe of what he set you free from god we thank you we worship you because you're worth it you're worth it thank you jesus let's worship Father god we thank you today we thank you, God, that as we draw near to you, your word says that you draw near to us. Lord, I pray today that we would take a step nearer to you. Lord, I pray tomorrow we would draw near to you. God, on Tuesday, I pray that we would draw near to you. Lord, while we're at our desk at our work, in the middle of whatever our day looks like on Wednesday, God, I pray that we would hear the whisper of your presence to draw near to you again. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come Speak to us and draw us into more of you, that our hearts would be hungry for all that you are and all that you have for us. And we're just a grateful people. And if you agree with that, why don't you say amen today? Amen. If you're just encountering God and having a little ministry time, we just bless that and say, keep on going there. But if not, enjoy your Sunday. Have a great week.